Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and whoa, 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 welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Sunday, June 7th. My name is Javier Reyes, of course, always and forever, your host of this here Locked On Padres podcast. Maybe not forever, maybe not forever, but still always for now at least check out and follow the twitter page for the show which is at lo underscore padres or my personal account which is at javapeno which is spelled j-a-v-i-i-p-e-n-o and if you feel so inclined hit me up on there as well as the gmail which is lockdownpadres at gmail.com with any questions comments or concerns you might have and i'll do my very very old best to answer them here on the show and today's show guys we got a good one it is a, a sequel Eh, not really a sequel, actually. It's just continuing a bit that we did earlier this week. I think we did it on Wednesday. I don't remember. Wednesday or Thursday, one of the two days. And it was about the 1996 Padres. We hopped in the old time machine, and guess what? We're doing it again. And now, of course, as I mentioned on that that pod, on that episode, I mentioned nostalgia is a very powerful and also very dangerous thing. You sometimes get lost and start only thinking of the glory days and the good old days, and you forget the bad. But you know what? Let's admit it. It still feels pretty good to indulge sometimes, all right? So, guys, without further ado, we are hopping back in the time machine to what year? The 1969 Padres. Let's go. Now, first, let's just talk about 1969 from a from a, a pop culture and kind of event standpoint. The Billboard Top 100 singles of 1969. The number one song was Sugar Sugar by the Archies, followed by Aquarius Let the Sunshine In by The Fifth Dimension, I Can't Get Next to You by The Temptations, and Honky Tonk Women from The Rolling Stones, which is the first song that I actually recognized on this list, believe it or not. Now, why did I recognize it? One, because I recognize The Rolling Stones. I'm more familiar with them being the 23-year-old kind of young millennial that I am, but also because Honky Tonk Women is the name of an episode of the hit anime series Cowboy Bebop. Freaking classic. Anyone out there who who gets turned off by me even saying anime and doesn't want to give it a chance, give Cowboy Bebop a chance. Just trust me on that one. And believe it or not, Cowboy Bebop, actually, a lot of the episodes are named after um, kind of famous songs and whatnot. One of them being Bohemian Rhapsody is an episode of Cowboy Bebop, and that's how I know about Honky Tonk Women from the Rolling Stones, because Cowboy Bebop taught me it <laughs> for some reason. So there's that. Um, lots of cool songs, really, all out of all of this. Marvin Gaye, Too Busy Thinking About My Baby, Get Together by the Young Bloods. You got some Beatles on here. You got all you got all kind of good stuff in 1969, right? But I have to admit, I'm really not familiar as much with this, uh, with this year, which is so interesting, because 96, which was my birthday year, I obviously was a little bit more familiar with. And let me tell you, and speaking of terms of more unfamiliarity, let's talk about some of the movies that came out during this time, right? So some of the most notable ones are The Wild Bunch, The Italian Job, Hello Dolly, Midnight Cowboy, Easy Rider, True Grit, The Undefeated with John Wayne, The Wedding Party with Robert De Niro. There's the first actor I kind of noticed and recognized, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So some of the the top highest grossing movies, just to name uh, all of them, the the top ten. It's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Love Bug. 
Doug, Midnight Cowboy, Easy Rider, Hello Dolly, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, Paint Your Wagon, True Grit, Cactus Flower, and Goodbye Columbus. I can officially confirm to you guys I have seen exactly, let's see here, let me jot down the, none of these movies have I seen before. The only one that I've kind of heard of is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and then Midnight Cowboy I've heard of. And True Grit because of the, the remake that came out with Haley Steinfeld and Jeff Bridges from, I'm going to say that was like 2009, 2010, I believe is when that movie came out. That's So I'm familiar with that movie. Uh, I saw that one. I didn't see the original. Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid I'm familiar with because if you guys have heard the sports movie Mon- Madness, Madness podcast, um, me and Gabrielle mentioned a lot that we're fans of the Rewatchables podcast from The Ringer. And one of the episodes is with Aaron Sorkin. And I love Aaron Sorkin, of course. He is the legend, the GOAT, one of the most gifted screenwriters I've ever had. He was on an episode, and the movie that he wanted to talk about was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So really, I need to see that movie. I really want to see it, just so I can listen to that Rewatchables podcast. And in terms of some other things going on, since there weren't really video games like I talked about in the 96 pod, I figured, let me talk about some TV shows. That isn't the only reason. It's also because I forgot to do TV shows on the 96 pod. I don't know why I did it. Do it. But some of the most notables that I saw are Gunsmoke, The Brady Bunch, The Doris Day Show, Get Smart, if you guys have ever seen that. It's kind of funny, actually. The movie itself, I remember loving as a kid, probably just because there was that one scene with The Rock where he's like, you want to die by post-it notes? Because I can make that happen. And it's a slow death. That's the only line that I remember. It was really funny. Um, Hawaii Five O, Bill Cosby's show premieres. Eh, that doesn't age well, but you know, Julia, Family Affair, and Bewitched. Also, some other notable ones is the first episode of Sesame Street premiered in 1969. Shout out to that. And shout out to the new um, CNN town hall kind of meeting that they did with Sesame Street the other day. Recommend everyone watching that. Very important given the times we were in. And the original Star Trek with Mr. Captain Kirk and Spock and McCoy and all them. The final episode was aired in 1969 for the original Star Trek, which of course would go on to be a phenomenon of epic proportions and continue on for years among the Trekkies and the nerd community forever. So shout out out to Star Trek, which I shouted on the last pod with First Contact. Um, next, It's funny because Star Trek, most people I talk to think that Next Generation is the superior show in a lot of ways, if you just remove from the fact that the original is, well, the original and the original has Spock, which might be just the, the most iconic Star Trek character in general, but more people I know are like, Jean-Luc Picard is their favorite captain. You know, that's what, that's what everybody says. That's what my mom says. That's what my dad says. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was raised to think otherwise, but from what I understand this the original Star Trek show, while super pioneering in its own way, it's funny that uh, people tend to gravitate more for, towards uh, Next Generation. Um, and I'm a big fan of Next Generation because it gave us First Contact, which is an awesome, awesome rad movie. I think it's still on Amazon. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Amazon Prime. So ch- go check out that out if you guys have the chance. Now let's talk about some of the other notable events, which you know some actually have to do with uh, the current times we're in right now. We'll get to, we'll get to those in a little bit. But firstly, one of the main big things that happened. It's a uh, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That's right. This is when Neil Armstrong became the first man to land on the moon, along with Buzz Aldrin and all the rest of the crew of the Apollo 11 mission. Um, the inauguration of Richard Nixon was this year, probably one of the more infamous presidents that we've ever had. Of course, famously kind of resigning due to the Watergate scandal. That was on January 20th of 1969. Um, this was also the year that 
Woodstock took place, which for those who are unfamiliar, was kind of like this ultimate hippie movement. It was more than 400,000 fans seeing Jimi Hendrix, The Who, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and others perform. It was an insane thing, and people talk about it. People kind of make fun of the boomer generation and all the previous generation for this being like their big hippie moment. But still, Woodstock, big deal, and has my favorite rendition of the Star Spangled Banner I've ever heard. I just thought that thing gives me chills every time. Shout out to Jimi Hendrix. Uh, the Beatles also released Abbey Road this year, which was kind of like their big, big record that I think most people remember uh, almost solely because of just that album cover. And the Abbey Road uh, album cover is just super iconic and whatnot. So shout out to that. Um, PBS, Public Broadcasting System, is first established in 1969. And then on to some of the more kind of things that aren't so happy and whatnot. Uh, five people are murdered, including Sharon Tate by Charles Manson's Cult of Followers. That's kind of a famous thing, of course, for those who who aren't aware of it, and for those who haven't seen maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a little bit about that. I love that movie. I know a lot of people say it's super boring, but I really loved it. The very first uh, troop withdrawals from Vietnam happened this year, as well as all the protests, the student protests that are happening around that time, protesting the Vietnam War. Um, In general, kind of uh, one of the heydays, uh, the waning moments of the civil rights movement in general. Uh, The Chicago 7 happens, which is this famous group uh, kind of that were accused of inciting riots. For those who don't know, actually Aaron Sorkin, who I just mentioned before, his actual next movie that he was doing, uh, I believe was set to come out this year, and it was based on the Chicago 7. So I assume that's one of those stories that not a lot of people are familiar with, because I certainly am not, and my mom told me it is definitely a, a very, it's a very sad story in a lot of ways about the criminal justice system. So yeah, really, 1969, there's all kinds of protests going on. You got the Vietnam War. Civil rights movement basically is still happening around this time. Um, And in general, a lot of people making their voices heard. And if that doesn't relate to the today, then I don't know what does. Whatever the movement is, whether it be police brutality as it is today, the Vietnam War back then, protest is good, guys. And I encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast to please do your part in the current time we're in. It is definitely a moment. It is not just a hashtag. It is a real real moment. I've never been more convinced of that. Yes, I'm young. Maybe I'm I'm naive in a lot of ways, but still, I gotta believe in what I believe in. You know what I mean? Um, And lastly, to end it on kind of a little bit of a a mini high note, um, some notable people bored this year. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Brett Favre, Renee Zellweger, and Jennifer Aniston were bored this year. But now that we've kind of talked about all the current events and the culture events and the pop culture and the music and the movies that happened in 1969, we gotta talk about the team, don't we? Well, first... Before we get into the team, guys, we're going to take a little bit of a break because I want to talk to you about Built Bar, the best tasting damn protein bar around. That's right. Built Bars are super tasty. They're covered in 100% chocolate, super easy and soft to chew. They've got 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors and eight chocolate nut free flavors. They're also, of course, healthy for the health conscious sort of guy or gal or even the un health conscious, the non-health conscious, the health unconscious, whatever the opposite of, of it is for people like me who don't exactly eat super well. I just had Ben & Jerry's yesterday. Shout out Ben & Jerry's and American Dream, the superior Ben & Jerry's flavor, I must say. But anyway, uh, for people like me who are trying to lose weight or at least trying to get on that bandwagon, they're super helpful for those type of people too. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in the treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Remember, that is promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And that's not all we have to talk about today, guys. I want to talk to you guys about RockAuto.com. Now, I may not know a lot about cars, but I know that there's all sorts of parts and gizmos that you need. And RockAuto.com is here to help. 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds, hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. Deliver it directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. But now, guys, enough of that. Let's talk about the team. Now, why did I choose 1969? One, because, well, I felt like that year I wanted to just throw out my message, my little political message, and kind of the civil rights movement that was happening around that time and how protesting is good. But also because, coincidentally enough, it was the first season in franchise history for the Padres. That's right. Along with the Montreal Expos, Kansas City Royals, and Seattle Pilots, 1969 was the beginning of our beloved San Diego Padres with the whole expansion draft and whatnot. And, well, guys, I'm not going to lie, aside from that, not exactly a memorable team. Unlike the 1996 team with Ken Caminetti and Steve Finley and Tony Gwynn and Hoffman and all those guys, this really great team that unfortunately gets swept by the Cardinals, this team didn't even have the the, the honor of being swept by the, a team in the playoffs. Aside from, I guess you could say, their first inaugural game, which they won against the Houston Astros 2-1, uh, to one, they really weren't memorable in any way. They finished with a record of 52-110, and 110, so barely over 50 games. Games one. They finished last as a team in the majors in runs scored with 468, hits 1,203, and batting average with an aston- astonishing low average of 225. Um, let's just say, yeah, guys, this team was not very good. To talk about a little bit of the roster, though, especially offensively, they were just not good. And that says a lot considering I'm not exactly expecting, you know, unbelievable on base and batting average numbers for 1969. I understand the game was a different point, but still, uh, guys like Chris Cannizzaro was the catcher Nate Colbert at first base Jose Arcia at second base Tommy Dean at shortstop Ed Spezio hopefully I'm saving that saying that name right at third base Al Ferrara at left field Cito Gaston at center field and Ollie Brown in right field I mean I'm just looking at the numbers guys and aside from maybe Nate Colbert who played first base and had a pretty solid season batting 255 with an on base of 322 and 24 homers that's not too bad at all but aside from him I guess you've got Al Ferrara, who hit 260 with an on-base of 349. There's just a lot of bad here. I mean, Cito Gaston, 230, 275, slugging of 309. That's not very good. Jose Arcia with a 215 average, 255 odd base. Tommy Dean with an astonishingly low 176 batting average with a 250 on base. That's just atrocious. And not to mention, the bench was bad, too. There's a bunch of guys on here who barely hit above, like, 100, not 100, 200. You know, this is just not a very good team overall. Roberto Pena and and Ivan Mural and John Sippen, there's just really no kind of uh, names on here to really get excited about from this 1969 Padres team. The only other thing is that you can really talk about is that some of the players on the original team did go on to make a little bit more of an impact in the majors. Outfielder Ollie Brown went on to play 13 years in the majors. Pitcher Joe Necro won 224 games over a 22-year career, which wasn't exactly something he was known for uh, in terms of 
his time on the Padres. He was decent, had an ERA of 3.7, struck out 55 batters, not great in terms of the strikeout thing, but had a low ERA and I guess guess kind of uh, maintained his ability to play in the majors for a long time. So shout out to Mr. Necro. And also, uh, kind of an infamous thing. Uh, the catcher, Chris Canizaro, spent 13 years in the big leagues and was the Padres' all-star representative in 1969 because, of course, you had to have a representative of every team. And, well, Canizaro wasn't very good. As I mentioned before, just to reiterate, this guy batted 220 with an on-base of 290, only hit two, three home runs total for the season, had two, I think, at the all-star break when he was... Uh, when he was made the representative of the team. And actually, there was a piece about the top 10 worst MLB All-Stars. Kenny Zaro made the list. That was from a Time Magazine piece uh, at Keeping Score uh, at timemagazine.com. Um, Casey Stengel, who managed Kenny Zaro when he played for the hapless New York Mets in the early 60s, once said of his young backstop, he's a remarkable catcher, that Kenny Zaro. He's the only defensive catcher in baseball who can't catch. <laughs> he said what he said what yeah what a torching quote there but hey that's what happens and i don't know how this guy made the all-star team and maybe not someone else who was a little bit more respectable like nate colbert but he was the lone representative and it's not like like this guy said it's not like he was great behind the the plate in terms of defense and in terms of any other kind of notable players, I guess you could say outfielder Cito Gaston, because he did end up spending 11 years in the majors and made the all-star team once in 1970, which is one of the great, I mean, an unbelievable outlier season here from Cito Gaston. He batted 318 with a 364 on base and even managed to club 29 homers. He was the all-star and he finished 24th in MVP voting. And then for the rest of his career, just not all that great. He did have some decent seasons, like in 1976 with Atlanta, but for the Padres, that was really his best season. It just kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of ways. Um, but also, he's also notable because he ended up going on to manage the Toronto Blue Jays for 12 years, leading them to the five division championships and back-to-back World Series championships in 1992 and 1993. So I guess, aside from Kenny Zero being uh, famous in a bad way, Gaston ended up having a little bit of a moment from this 1969 Padres team. So shout out to him. He's probably the most famous person from here. Um, there was also, I recommend you guys checking out this article by Kirk Kennedy from last year, actually. Actually, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the team. It's on, on the San Diego Union Tribune site, and you can check that out. I'll link it in the description below. But basically, it features quotes from people like Bill Center, who's really one of the uh, kind of a all-time, or not, I shouldn't say all-time, but all-time, I guess in a way, kind of an old-school uh, writer who's written about the Padres for years. He covered the team, and really, the piece captures what it was like back then, and really, this was not a highly talked-about team. This wasn't a team people wanted to talk about. I mean, it was exciting having it as an expansion team you know and they're still here today unlike the Seattle Pilots and the Montreal Expos and it was kind of cool but it really talked about how you know you had that initial excitement but at the time this wasn't exactly a town that was known for being a baseball loving town this was a as they described in the article more of just sleepy Navy pilots is what they described it as right so there's really um I guess the best way to describe the 1969 Padres is well There's greatness from small beginnings, and while this wasn't a very good team, they're actually quite atrocious, not a good bench, they have an infamous, uh, one of the worst, according to that Time article, one of the worst named all-stars that we've ever had for that season, Um, just not great, and... I guess you could just look at it and say, well, you know what? You got to start somewhere, I guess. That's the that's how I would start. That's how I would name the Padres from 1969. That's how I would describe them. You just got to start somewhere. 
really not much to mention here. They only win 52 games. Um, and that's basically it, guys. My little flashback to 1969. I don't really know what else to say. I was looking everything up, but really, I recommend checking out that article to really capture what it was like back then. And aside from Cito Gaston, really not a lot of famous players on this team uh, that went on to do anything interesting, at least in terms of that season. There were, they had a career, but that's what happens oftentimes, it turns out, with expansion teams. They tend to you know, not exactly uh, jump on the scene with a bang. I guess you could say, in terms of sports expansion teams. But with all that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. That about does it for today's Sunday, Sunday, little fun day edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And also shout out to Locked On MLB. Tell your smart devices to play that podcast. It is hosted by my man, Sully and he's killing it posting all types of good content really just voicing his opinions and i cannot stress enough go check out that ricky henderson episode some great points he really this this man just knows baseball uh and until next time guys stay safe and of course stay faithful my friar faithful homies take care